Hello, welcome to the Mythology Marksmanship Podcast. I'm Morgan King, and I'm here with um, Ben Gossett, and today we're going to talk about the perfect day. How are you doing? Doing good, Morgan. How are you? Oh, not bad. Not too bad. Um, So for anybody listening that doesn't know what we're talking about when we talk about the perfect day, Ben, um, he is the now AG Cup champion for 2022. He's the reigning champion. And he, to do it, you just, you. what did you come into the day day three? You came in like what, t- second or third? So I ended up, so I started day one, um, finishing day one in 19th or something like that. I had a pretty rough day. And had a really good um, run on day two. So I, I ended up tying Dave Preston for second. Okay, um, so you went in tied for second place match. for the two-day. Mm-hmm. Well, then he, he he decides that, wow, I'm on a roll. And then you cleaned day three. Because if you don't understand how the, the AG Cup works, is it's a two-day match to get to day three. And that's for $5,000 if you win the first two days or whatever. And, but every stage you shoot is 1000 bucks. So if you win a stage, so if you're the fastest clean or the highest score on a stage, you're going to win 1000 bucks. And so you shoot 20 stages to get to day three. So there's a potential of 20000 plus if you win the two days, you win 5000 And then you – but the goal is just make it to day three because that's where all the money's at. Because if you win day three, you win thirty thousand. Second is ten thousand, right? Uh second was seven. Okay, seven thousand and, and then like third 3, was three. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's thirty seven and three. So we're talking a lot of money up for grabs on day three, and then, I mean, that's cool just to win that, right? That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, to clean the entire day, so. This is one of the hardest matches that you're going to shoot of the year. Like this, the stages are purposely faster than most stages. They're smaller targets than most stages. Granted, K&M, the wind is is usually friendly there, even though it's weird. Like I, I've shot there several times, and you don't think you're going to miss because of wind, but sometimes it, you will. Uh, but then to clean the day, I mean, that's just amazing. I yeah, I'm impressed. I'm jealous, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it a lot. Um, yeah the the wind really wasn't bad the entire weekend. Um, I I don't know if I held more than like three tens the entire weekend. And, Left or right? Um, both. Okay, yeah. Okay. So so day three it was a tiny bit switchy back and forth, right to left. It was probably about 50-50, I would say, on uh, whether I was holding left or right. Which, I mean, that in itself can be a little bit tricky on, you know, some targets that were sub-three-tenths. A lot of three-tenths targets and quite a few four-tenths. We didn't have have anything too much bigger than that from what I remember, so. Which, uh, we were just talking before we started this. I was I was uh, telling him how impressed I was just with not alone not only how good he was but 
like your gun to be able to do that over over the course of ten stages, like that's a a feat in and of itself. That speaks to, mm-hmm. the, to how good you are at reloading, um, how how good you are at, um, pressing the trigger. But then on top of that, how good that whole combination is of just not producing flyers because shooting that many small targets that day and to not have any flyer from your gun or anything mm-hmm. that's a big deal that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. it, it really felt after it happened it, it felt like it was pretty impossible um i mean it was possible but everything had to definitely be lined up and i was really really fortunate everything did line up um as far as like the gun itself uh so i shot this gun the first match i shot with it was the finale about a month prior and this barrel was different than any other barrel that i've shot it started out really good um within the first 50 rounds it shot one of the best 10 shot groups at 100 that i've ever seen um which i mean for prs i mean it's not a venturous gun by any means but it was like right at quarter minute with that 10 shot group. That's so a good 10 shot like, group. Yeah, this is this is a freak gun. Like I've shot a whole lot of 10 shot groups and I probably have like three quarter minute 10 shot groups to put that in perspective over, I don't yeah. know, probably over 20 dasher barrels at this point. Um, so I was like, I am going to break this in really good. I'm going to have a ton of rounds on it before I get to the finale, just so I know it's absolutely perfect. And um, so I went to the finale with like 600 on this gun, um, which usually I would have shot a match by before then. Huh. But you but had how many like, rounds on it? I, I had 600 before I went to the finale. Okay. Which that's so, good because if I would have had that many on mine. Like, I would have been way better off going into the finale. <laughs> yeah. I I knew it would be kind of risky if I was going to take, like, a brand-new gun, you know, just settled in at 300. Like, I wanted to have, like, 100% confidence um, that it was going to shoot at, at that match. So all of my prep work for the AG Cup was um, basically all of it was figured out for the finale. And I didn't change a single thing after the uh, finale. I run huh. the same load and everything <clears throat> for the AG Cup. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, that just speaks to your preparation and everything. I wish I would have, I didn't have the time to mm-hmm. put it, too much time to put into it. But, I mean, I've never had a gun speed up past 250 rounds. But I mm-hmm. did hit the finale, which is weird. So, is what it is, but it happens. Yeah, I remember you busting out the, I think you busted out the Magneto. Once we got up to the kind of like the, the thousand top. yard range, yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. I trued my dope to what I was seeing because it was like I'd clean the first five or six stages of the day, and then all of a sudden, yeah. two stages in a row that were not good for your gun to all of a sudden be high on uh, those diamonds, and then the animals or your oh, bouncy yeah. is crap on that little that there was a a little. It was a blind for those of you who yeah, don't know what we're talking about. A little deer blind that had little uh, uh, plastic sides that you have to set your your bag on. So it's a little bouncy because those plastic. It's just you're basically held up by plastic, and so mm-hmm. it's you're solid. You're making a good position, but 
if after you pull the trigger, all that shock, it makes it bouncy and you can't see quite as good as you'd like to. So, yeah, and yeah. that one, that one is a prop that you you have to have like rock solid rear support from what I've seen. Like, yep. Can you imagine just shooting off the front of that thing? You couldn't. Game there's no way. No. So no there's a folding way. chair in there. <clears throat> If, for those of you guys that didn't shoot the finale, uh, there's a folding chair, and you basically the best way to do it is is to put a bag on the front of your gun or set a bag in the in the window sill, and then turn the the folding chair backwards, sit on it, and then stick a bag on top of the back of the folding chair, and then that seems to be the best way to do it. I'm sure is that how you did it? So I did that in the finale. Yeah. Yep. And we shot out that same deer blind in the ag cup too so did you do it different at the ag cup i i actually did yeah it was good at the finale i cleaned it there um but i i had quite a bit of bounce yeah so i ended up using a tech table um oh shoot why why wouldn't yeah i don't know why i didn't do think of that there well i think i just thought oh the chair will be good enough but you're right the bounce that's way better idea I wouldn't have thought about it if I didn't shoot it a month prior. Like, I think it was kind of a big advantage just knowing um, the prop and how bouncy potentially it could be. And um, you had to set that up on the clock, right? Yeah, yep. And they wouldn't let me take the folding chair out beforehand. <laughs> so it got pretty crammed in there. Jeez. So, but you, I mean, it worked out, right? Yeah. Was mm-hmm. it a 90 second stage? Every stage, uh, the entire match was 90 seconds. If I remember Perfect. Right. So, so did you use a, um, RS, um, tripod with just the one section or did you use, uh, the two vets one like that? Just the one leg section one. So I borrowed a guy's double or a, yeah, two section, uh, really right stuff tripod. And I want to say that's what I used there. Um, I have a three section that I use like 99% of the time. Yep. Yep. I figured I figured might as well bring out the two section just just in case there was like a um, you know you have to have it completely collapsed and deploy on the clock type scenario, which you probably did. I'm guessing. So it turned out that um, that was the only. Actually, one of the two stages of the entire day three that I even needed a tripod. Everything else, you didn't really even yeah. have a need to use one. I don't think I used um, one but, the entire finale. Yeah. Could have done, though. So they they did change up. I think it was Tom's uh, say on the matter, but you could start um, with it fully set up. At oh, the that's AG nice. Cup. So you could walk so, in there, measure the height with the, on your body or whatever, walk out, set your tripod up to that height. Um, no, no, you couldn't. You you couldn't uh, get any references or anything. You couldn't like really game the stage. Well, don't they give you your two minute prep time? You couldn't just walk up to it and measure it off your hip. You could, but they had a different rule this year. It was something like you had to be um, you had to be like three feet away from the prop at all times. Oh, when you weren't okay. 
So it was a guess. So I did it a little bit differently. And this was the third stage of the match. And uh, I decided to put my bipod on the lip. So I That's had a risky a move. More. That's a Tate Streeter move right there. It, it, it was risky, but um, I started with them all the way collapsed. And um, I needed to push them all the way out after, you know, finding finding out what height I needed to, to do. And uh, it actually worked out perfect like it was it was as solid as i possibly could have been that's awesome no yeah that's yeah that is the one thing about a bipod that is nice is if say your tack table is a little tall you can just reach Mm -hmm. up and adjust it in the bipod a little faster and a little easier than doing it with the tripod Mm -hmm. in my opinion for sure 100 percent. but for you guys that don't know what a tack table is it's just a basically a piece of aluminum with an arca swiss clamp that is sometimes it's integrated into it sometimes it's just one that's just bolted to it whatever but the idea is is that you have a flat surface that you can put on top of your tripod and in this case he put the bipod leg on or bipod legs on a about a four inch lip and then Mm -hmm. used a bag in the back so it's modified prone on the tripod. Mm-hmm. It's freaking solid. That's that's the way to, honestly that that's genius because yeah, how much bounce. I that could have picked me some points up right there doing that at the finale. I think it would have. I think it would have. Um and that stage was a little bit unique. That by the time we got there, um like I said before, I tied Dave Preston for second. And I think they did something like alphabetical by first name or something so dave went before me um so that made it my first stage where i was first up you know what i mean so it was pretty nerve-wracking because i knew that was going to be a a huge separator stage that was the third um, that was the third stage of day three you're saying yep Mm -hmm. Yep. that that was so that you did you put a bipod on a lip for all the marbles yeah, I really gambled it, uh, but I figured I would rather have my bipod up there in yep. the the tag table. In at very worst case scenario, I could have. I think I had a. I think I had a gamer plate attached to my front behind my bipod. There's in front no of my way bipod. that could have worked. Well, that's how I used it at the finale. So I had a backup plan going to that oh. stage. If my bipod wouldn't work and the tripod wouldn't work, then um, I would use the chair. Oh, and, and you're I'd, saying just I'd put the gamer hustle. plate straight on the straight exactly on, on the okay. So not did it? Oh, did the gamer plate have a bag on it? It did. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. Those All real right. thin right. bags. I so. got you. I thought you were saying like just like gamer plate and your and your like a schmedium <laughs> and just rock it out of the window. No, no, I, I would have still, as a backup, used that chair. Yep, and all that. And that could have worked to just, like it already had worked for you, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. Um, So I'm curious because, you know, I, I know that we used to frequent the same matches when you lived in Colorado. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious how you got into shooting because I don't think we've, I mean, I've known you for several years now, but. I don't think we've ever talked about how you got into it. So how did you get into shooting? 
So, I mean, I'm from Missouri, kind of living out in the country all my life. And um, my dad and brother, older brother, we always were out in the backyard just shooting 22s or baby guns or, or whatever we could possibly get our hands on as kids. And uh, so, yeah, I grew up hunting and shooting. That was kind of my major pastime as a kid. And um, it kind of progressed further just with the amount of hunting I did as a kid. And um, so my first real job was I went in the Marine Corps at 18 and super interested in guns. I was in the infantry and um, I knew I was going to get out after my first four years. So I, uh, I had a little bit of spare time and... I always was interested in competition shooting, and by that time, um, BRS was starting to get a little bit more popular and gain traction. So, I don't know how it happened, but I think YouTube or something, I found PRS and a bunch of the OG guys on there shooting matches and just looked like a really good time. <clears throat> so, I got a 308, uh, like a FN spr i don't know if you remember those yep i do remember those they, they were pretty popular back in the day um but i mean it's a pretty good out of the box rifle and uh it had a mcmillan a5 stock so yeah it's like screw it it was i think it was like two thousand dollars so i was a ton of money for me not knowing anything about prs so um i ended up purchasing one of those and shooting some local matches for um the 2013 to 2014 season um basically so it, it wasn't like prs sanctioned matches or anything like that it was just kind of like local matches that were you know tactical style um yep. so that was kind of my intro to prs and then um got the marine corps and in 2015 in march i started shooting um, so that was while you were in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where were you at then at that point? Uh, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton in California, Southern California. Okay. So that was, that was with the SoCal guys. Mm hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. What optics did you It was, it was really on? small back then. Um, was Kerr, everything. was Kerr involved at that point? Ryan? Uh, I want to say he was, wasn't he in the Northern California? Oh, yeah, you're right. He might be. I know. Yeah, I just think of California and I start thinking of names that I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, I believe he was Northern. Um, the the matches that I shot, like I said, they weren't even PRS sanctioned. So, um, yep. you know, it's really, really small club. It's... I think they actually ended up having a two-day PRS match at this place that I, I shot a lot. It was um, this, like, Indian reserve where they had, like, a 1,000-yard range or something like that. But That's awesome. Um, so I don't remember any, like, real big-name shooters or anything that they were shot down there. there. So yeah, no. you, had, you had an FN 308 and... Mm -hmm. What what scope did you put on it? Just curious. So the first like high end scopes, um, I think I put like a loophole ERT, like I think like a six and a half to twenty, 
I think was the first one that I competed with. Oh yeah. Um, still second, so, fo- still second focal plane, and no, that TMR. one was a that one was a first focal plane. Oh, okay. And I think it had like an H twenty seven. This is man. making me feel old, like really old. <laughs> is that the one that the, <laughs> the 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 crosshairs in the top of the like real high in the in the? I field know what you're view? talking about. That one's an H thirty seven, I think. Okay. So the twenty seven is this the probably the same thing rotated was, down? No, it was real close to like an H fifty eight, if I remember right, and it had like two mils of under hold or like hold under. Um, oh yep, yep. I know what you're talking. Because I had a, yeah. a scope with an H59 and it had no hold under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you could hold a 60 mile an hour mover in that thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The things oh, that you funny. don't need that you got in a in a Horus reticle. Oh yeah. It's literally you have everything that you might possibly need. Yeah. Um. I so, mean. Yeah. It, it, there's some there's some cool features of them if you know how to use it, but um, it's nothing that uh, I think you need as a civilian. I agree. I agree. It. Uh, I mean, just thinking about that and like having you make me bring that up, like, like I said, I feel old, and it's it's so funny to see how far everything's come since then <laughs> that's all right i started i started shooting when i started shooting i, I think it was i started in 2014 just kind of i built my first gun and and i remember like all the i i put a huskam on mine because i'm out here in yeah. the west in the hunting deal and that, those were kind of like popular i remember i remember uh was was it Gunworks that was pushing those quite a bit? Gunworks did Best of the West. St- still, that's their that's their scope. Mm-hmm. I think I think is Best it of the like West a, owns is it, it like a Night Force with? It looks like Night Force style with a custom turret. No, they're like <laughs> they're their own thing. Like so I, they're okay. a Japanese made scope that they they bring it over here. They they track really good. They got decent glass. It's kind of like the old NXS glass. Um, mm-hmm. I still have that scope, yeah. but it's, and it is MOA and with an MOA reticle, but okay. the, it was one of the first ones to do that, but it's not first focal plane. So, okay. But it's, I mean, they're just okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it did its job, but I dang sure did use <laughs> one of those at, I used it several times at PRS matches. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there it, it's crazy how far it's come. Like now you can go buy a Vortex Strike Eagle for, you know, 500 bucks or something, and you got a scope yeah. with a zero stop, first focal plane, and a good reticle. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every every one of the good features that you possibly need for PRS, for sure. Yep. I mean, obviously we want glass. I mean, it's nice to have some good glass, you know. I know you. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you shoot a Tangent. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, you're willing to pay for good glass. So like, mm-hmm. glass is something you need for sure. Glass for me is something that you definitely need. And once you have like some of the best glass, it's very hard to go back. In my oh opinion. yeah. Like, especially as I'm getting a little bit older, I just turned, or I'm about to turn 31. So I mean, I'm still young, but we're the same age. Like, as as a yeah 
as like a competitor, I I need my eyes to be perfect. And if my eyes aren't perfect, I need my scope to help compensate. Yep. If that makes sense. So I think the tangent helps and I've been super happy with with mine the last couple of years. Cool. Now now curious cuz uh I know that like I don't remember I don't remember and maybe maybe it's because you shot the price matches before I was there but uh were you stationed in like Denver or something? So after I got out of the Marine Corps um I went back to Missouri and worked for my dad for just part uh let's see I don't think it was even a full year. So at that point I was trying to get my career, you know, rolling. And I decided to go to gunsmith school. So oh. after the year of being home, home in Missouri, I uh, I finally got into um, Denver, Colorado School of Trades. And that's when I was shooting kind of out, out west. Okay. So that was from 20, uh, 20, mid-2015 to 2017. So that's like, okay, so maybe... We- we probably did shoot the same matches then for a little bit. We we probably did. I'd have to double check to see. Because um, I didn't shoot a yeah. ton of the price. Well, I did in the beginning. I did shoot a lot of price matches, but then they kind of went away, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah. So there's not as many matches there at North Springs as there was. But, yeah, because when Paul, I mean, what was it, last year when we, we went to uh, that match in – in Georgia or whatever, and now Paul so, Paul shows up and goes, "What are you doing here, Ben?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I only shot at, at the price range. I think it was only one time for a Silencer Co. Quiet Riot. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was I was in for a rude awakening out there. That's the one that Preston won, right? No, let's see. I think it was Scotty DiCaprio. You remember him? Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I do. I just remember I shot the only quite right that I shot at North Springs. I thought that uh, Preston came out and won it, but no, I don't. DiCaprio. I remember DiCaprio winning one of those too. Oh, or mm-hmm. is that the? Are you thinking of the Desert Tech facility up in northern Utah? I want to say it was Price, but. It, it doesn't I, matter. Yeah, it was somewhere out there. Um, I I haven't heard I haven't heard that, that name in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I miss him. He was a shooting son was, of a gun, and just a super super good guy. Yep, really nice. He was always really nice to me. I was before I was anybody, and I remember and I'd ask him questions. He's just a nice old guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's how we anybody. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just good at underwater basket weaving, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's not like it's that cool or anything like that. It just And I feel like people don't realize that, you know, because you're, you're good at something. But it's at the end of the day, you're just like a regular old guy that's good at mm-hmm. good at, at a random-ass sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, for sure. I mean, it's fun. I'm not to de- – not to uh, – uh, belittle what are what we do but uh mm-hmm. it's that's just kind of the way that it is yeah um yeah let me see here i got 
so I got I got a question because uh, people handle this in all kinds of different ways. Uh, we talk about, and I get a ton of questions on wind and how people uh, handle wind. I'm. Is there any certain way that you do? Do you just? I mean, what do you do? Say you got a troop line. How do you how do you uh, attack that? Um. So, I mean, honestly, I heard your your guys's podcast with like Bushman. Yep. And me and him do things so incredibly similar. It's not even funny. Um. It, it's all about taking. You do a percentage a, deal. Not exactly percentage deal. It, it would probably work out really close to percentage wise. Um, but yeah, ultimately it is on a troop line specifically finding out, you know, how to hit that first target. And yep. that's, that's the most far, important by deal. far, by far the most important. Yep. Like if you go zero for two on that first one, it's going to be a tough stage. But if you can go like two for two on that first one and there's not a huge pan of degrees or, or angles in there, like you can just, you know, take pretty simple math and and add to the next target and add to the next, you know, following target. Um, so you probably do it more the way stuff. I do it then. Yeah, I mean, I so I shoot in a region where we're not missing by 30 percent on wind either. Yeah. I, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep, yep. If you miss on on wind out here, it's it's kind of rare for me, honestly, to be off by more than a tenth off the target. Um, I think that's pretty general most places because I mean, even like thirty percent. That's have a one point two hold. That's uh, about four tenths, right? Like that's a huge mm-hmm. miss. It, it is. It is. Like you um, missed, and it, it's and rare for it to be like that out here. Yeah, you don't usually hold that much, but yeah, no, I I was just curious because I know people handle it completely different, mm-hmm. like extremely different. But you seem to, you're one of those guys that I I feel like. Well, you seem to perform year after year, right? This this is this was your second year with 300 points, I think, right? This is the first time I got 300. Uh, I've had a lot of years where I was like 296 plus. Um, I think I've been like, I think I've been in that range for the last like four or five years now. So I've yep. had some good solid years. Yeah, because you, I mean, you've been good for, did, well, hold on. Maybe we've been in squad one every time we've been in squad one together. I think so. I think so. Man. I think I've been in squad one. I wasn't able to shoot the finale last year from for personal reasons and stuff like that, but yeah. I think I've been in squad one the last three finales that I've shot. So cool. I didn't know I thought for some reason that you'd you'd had it done before, but I mean you've come close several obviously several mm-hmm. times. So I mean I, I think I've had at least two wins per uh, at least two wins per season for the last four years. So yeah, I've had some good years. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. I mean, to. I mean, that's the thing is, uh, just to have more than one win in a year. Like people don't realize that. I mean, that's a. That's not easy. Just to get one is hard, and then to get two is even harder. So to string even mm-hmm. more than that, to get your three, that's a big deal. 
they definitely get easier after your first one. Um, I remember before I had one and, you know, I had a, a pile of top tens, it was getting really frustrating. So I think that was like the turning point in my career is just like, I was so sick of not winning <laughs> that once I figured out how to win it, it made it a little bit easier. So what, what made that? I'm just curious, like what, what do you think kind of broke through for you? What was that, that thing? Um, I, looking back, I think it was due to the first AG cup to be a hundred percent honest. So that was a point in my career where I felt like I was a pretty good performer for the last like two years prior Okay. and not getting, not getting it on the initial invite list to that match. I think it just set like a fire off. Did me. you, did you end up getting an invite or no? I did. Yeah. I ended up having like a fill in slot for someone who couldn't make it. Um, but yeah, not getting in the invite list. I think I shot the match the week after I found out I didn't get in and I won it. And then I won the next match a week later. Like <laughs> there was just something that needed to flip in my mind. Um, so it was all and... mental and a little bit to do with maybe desire I think I think my desire to win changed. I love like, it. Like like it wasn't like a personal thing. I didn't take it personal, but maybe I kind of did. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, you, know you did. I mean? And I like it. <laughs> because that's the type of, that's what makes people that's see that's the types of things like when you when people meet like when you meet Ben, like you look at Ben, Ben's a nice guy. You talk to Ben. Uh I'm talking like when I met you, like mm-hmm. super nice guy. Or whatever, but you know that underneath there, there's, there's a, there's an assassin, you know, that's gonna try to whoop your butt, you know, and uh, yeah, like that's cool, because because it's those those small things mentally that make people better, you know, like there's mm-hmm. a point where you can learn everything you can, you can be the best trigger puller out there, but mm-hmm. but as good a trigger puller as you might be, you still are going to get beat by somebody that's maybe a lesser trigger puller, but mentally is just like he wants it. Mm-hmm. So. A hundred percent. Like that, that person in my mind is more dangerous. Like the guy that just wants it. Um, Hungry. Like that's, yeah, not, not all the time is it going to be talent, but like talent with like a really hungry desire to, to have a really good goal. Um, it's pretty common for those guys to perform pretty well. Oh yeah. I think it has, it's <clears> got to <throat> do with something of like when you show up, you know, like, like you know what you showed up for from mm-hmm. the time you get there to the, to the last round fired, like you were going for first. That's what it was for. Mm-hmm. So every, every one of those rounds you want it to connect and you're going to do whatever you can in your power to will that thing to hit the target. So it's just if you have the right tools and the right mentality, that's how you win. And then, and there's enough guys with that mentality that it makes it real hard with those with the right oh, tools. Yeah. There's tons of guys with the right tools. Less guys with the right tools and the mentality just because there's just not that many people with that with that burning desire. Yeah, I I agree and uh 
there's there's more and more every year oh yeah <laughs> the list keeps getting bigger and bigger so the sport's definitely getting quite a bit more competitive which is super cool oh yeah it's I mean, never if it been didn't, as competitive you wouldn't have walked home with thirty four thousand dollars a month ago right that's mm-hmm. that's a i mean that's what's making i mean that's that's exciting to me to just hear about mm-hmm. that that kind of money somebody showing up and uh whooping on everybody and walking home with that much money. <laughs> yeah. I I hope I hope it stays around as long as possible. I hope it keeps growing. I remember that first AG Cup invite and I had won mm-hmm. I ex- I had actually won a match that uh-huh. year. I won my first match earlier in the year and but unfortunately I'm on the west coast so like nobody really knows and then i'd gone on and i'd had a couple of top threes you know so i was like i wonder like what does it take to get into that thing you know and then the yeah. whole the next year i went into the finale with my with 300 points and <laughs> yeah. yeah so i was just a year behind you know mm-hmm. it's yeah it's crazy how that i still wish it was an invite format though i do too um, that match was, I didn't perform well. Like I, I was looking back. I think I was just not mature mentally and like, I, I really struggled because it was a hundred percent different format than it was this year in the last two years. Um, that was, you know, the same, you, you couldn't share wind you basically couldn't even talk to anybody yeah there was two um, tents right there was a tent that yeah. you shot the stage already and tent that you haven't shot the stage uh-huh yep yeah and so like you could talk but you didn't you didn't want to get accused of cheating or anything so it was virtually quiet the entire two days and uh you couldn't you didn't have a live scoreboard or anything like that so you didn't know where anybody sat uh score wise you you just had no baseline for like how you were doing and that was just like killing me because i had some some good ones and like a whole lot of bad ones and <laughs> mentally it was just i wasn't ready for that yeah and um heard that match was appropriately difficult it was very strange wins for for the setting like it was in Blakely Georgia and i think like a hurricane or something just rolled through. And it was some, if I remember right, it was some nasty winds. You and I have shot in almost hurricanes in Blakely at a different match, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I want to say it was the following year's spring match where you won, I think. Yeah. And it was like, a. it was, it was blowing. I, I was like, man, this feels like home. It was blowing ridiculous that match. I remember, I remember there was one stage and we had like a, a bunch of targets at 800 ish. And I started the stage with like 0.4 left and I ended the stage with like 2.2 mils, right. Or something. It was just <laughs> wow, insane. And the HE cup wasn't that bad, but it was close. It was, it was a lot of wind. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so. that's why I like Blakely. Cause I feel like there was a chance of, of it blowing. Mm-hmm. There was a chance of wind out there, which even yeah. even at the last one that you and I shot, or not, 
No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, we were both there on the last uh, the last uh, one in whatever. I don't know. You won the one before, 20... and then I won the last one, right? Ah, uh, so that was Cool Acres. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. In uh, Swainsboro. In Swainsboro, and that one blew pretty good. That one did blue uh, or blow. Yeah, day one, it was pretty nasty. Yeah, it was, I mean, your six five definitely. But it was still <laughs> consistent. You know Stay what off. I mean. I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was almost better or easier when it was blowing because there was no freaking mirage. Hate that stuff. There wasn't any mirage, but that's that's what makes it so hard to read. Like when you can't see anything and then you're holding like almost two mils out of a thousand. That's just confusing to me. You have to you have to really hunt for the mirage when it's blowing for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you're are you living in Florida now? Uh, I'm in Georgia. Georgia, yep, okay. I'm in Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. Which and now, how you're the gunsmith for the AMU, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. So, are you in the army or just a contractor type deal? Uh, I'm active duty in the army. Yep. So you went from the Marine Corps to the army. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I got recruited about a month before I graduated gunsmith school, and. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit hesitant at first and uh, looked into the AMU a little bit. And um, it was it was kind of something that was just a little bit too good to be true sort of thing. And, um, yeah, it was luck of the draw and perfect timing. And I just jumped on it and I'm happy I did. Yeah, so when we were talking about your gun, like you performing and, and pulling – off a perfect day but also mm-hmm. it's pretty dang cool that your gun was able to do it and mm-hmm. you're the gunsmith mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty big deal i love being in a position where i can't make any excuses i can't blame the gunsmith i can't blame the ammo reloader do you do you load your ammo or do you use <clears throat> the amu mm-hmm. ammo yep i load my own okay are you in the amu or just the mm-hmm. amu gunsmith yep i'm in the amu so do you have to do? I'm just curious because I'm. You know, this is just. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to do pistol comps or anything like that? Uh no. Um, I I'm a I'm a full time gunsmith. So my day job is is building guns and customizing parts and all sorts of stuff. But um, then on the side, you're their best precision rifle shooter. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, it's it, we got a lot of. A lot of good shooters there, so I'm just one of them. Good way to be humble. Well, I mean, I'm just saying specifically I, I, PRS. I would say, but no, there I would are say some PRS, other PRS definitely, definitely tough to beat PRS. But I mean, the AMU is pretty diverse. We got seven different sections of shooters that shoot all sorts of disciplines. So, like, I can't claim to be a the best precision shooter because we got shooters that you know go to the olympics and stuff like that for small bore and air gun yeah and uh those those are the the best precision shooters on the planet yeah for sure Um, but definitely different discipline but in the prs i I guess is what i was referring to (laughs) you're i mean you're hard you're hard to beat period whether you're on the amu or not so same goes to you buddy i appreciate it um no, so I guess yeah. Do you? Uh, I'm I'm just curious because I've talked to uh, what's his name from is he Missouri or no Kansas? 
Dang it. Now it's horrible. I can never pronounce his name right, so I'm not even going to try. But, <laughs> but uh, like, I know he, he, like, I've heard from several people, like, that's, they practice a bunch. Like, that's their job is to practice and make sure they're good. Mm-hmm. Do you, you don't, you, since you're the gunsmith, like, you don't do that. I kind of go out of my way to practice. And um, I would say a turning point for me was back in like 2018 time frame 2017 2018 okay where i i made it a point to practice a, a bunch um we got like hour and a half lunches every day and that's kind of our time oh, and yeah. i'm uh i'm right by a couple of the ranges so i figure why not let's put in some work and and get out there every day for an hour and and shoot and um since then i i don't i don't really practice too much uh most of my practice is just from like breaking in guns and um, I, I kind of look forward to breaking in guns. So that just gives me an excuse to shoot, you know, 300 shots positional. That's awesome. And then I'll, I'll, you know, build off that with working up loads and, and stuff like that after that. But uh, so reason, that's kind of my baseline for practice. Yeah. Reason why I was kind of getting at your practice is because I'm sure – I mean, obviously, as good as you are, you've had to practice. But so what are some things that you do practice when you practice, I guess? Because a lot of people that listen to this, they're like trying to figure out, mm-hmm. hey, what do you, what is what makes Ben Gossett good enough to be able to do what he does? And how what's something that you do that you feel like makes you that good? So I'm pretty limited to to my practice. Um with our ranges so the ranges that are close to me that i have easy access to and um they're just convenient for me to get out to they go to 100 and like 300 okay so um for years most i'd say 95 percent of the time i'm shooting at 100 and 300 and um it's pretty monotonous but i think 100 yard dot drills on like little one inch targets is they tell you pretty a lot. important. It, it's important. I think that that just kind of like gives yourself the mental checklist of, okay, I can, I can be really, really consistent on a one MOA at a hundred, you know, that's going to translate pretty good, especially in the Southeast to, you know, pretty small targets out to distance. So, um, yeah. So you one under- MOA at a hundred and then we got, little three four inch targets at 300 that's what that's what i was gonna ask because yeah i mm-hmm. imagine they're just one inch pasties at 100 and then is it steel or is it like a three inch paper at, or something like that steel at, okay. steel at distance yep mm-hmm. perfect that's kind of what i do most of the time if like if i have my <laughs> druthers i want a four inch plate at 400 yards that's like my favorite but yeah. a three inch mm-hmm. at 300 is plenty good it's just for uh i mean and maybe maybe that's a good thing to try and it's just hard to keep a three three inch at three hundred from breaking. You know? It is. Yeah, it is. Um and I've broken a lot of targets too. <laughs> <laughs> um and then I'll go back to the hundred. But um yeah, so a lot of the times we'll just double up AR five hundred at three hundred with some J C steel hooks and most of the time they hold up really good. Um, yeah. The the best things I've seen five eighths inch doubled up. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say the 
if you get a half inch, um, the, his half inch JC poppers, those seem to be pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might have to replace some springs and, uh, or whatever every so often, but they seem to hold up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, for okay. sure. So what kind so, of, yeah, like I said, that's, that's 90% of the time, um, that it, it depends on which range I can get out to. we got a couple options, but so most of the back half of this year, I shot on one single target at 300. Um, and, uh, Every once in a while, I live pretty close to Tom Fuller in Armageddon gear. Okay. And he's he's got his own little range set up that um, if I got like a brand new gun and I need to true it out to 900, um, he's about 45 minutes away. So he lets me. Oh, that ain't bad. shoot up there. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Is that at his house? No, it's at his little, uh, he's got like a little tiny deer lodge. With oh, nice. I don't know how many acres, but it's a it's a really nice range with multiple angles. And yeah, it's it's just kind of like a perfect setup. Right on. Um, do you practice with a shot timer? I used to. I used to, but right now I feel like I don't even need to practice with a shot timer. Okay. Um, I'll always just practice with just like that quick sort of match pace if that makes sense yeah do you Cause, shoot because once you learn how to use that sort of match pace you don't really lose it no i would say no i the only reason i do is like if i don't have a lot of rounds i'll i'll shoot less rounds and and try to isolate things instead of i'm guessing do you run more stage type of practice so i do a ton of just one shot drills okay yeah where i'll start three three steps off a barricade um whether it's high medium low or everything in between i barely ever shoot prone and uh yeah like i said i'll just start like three steps off and you know throw the bag down get in position shoot a shot and most of the time it's within 10 10 seconds yeah somewhere in there yeah me i I do that a ton most of the time Mm -hmm. Like, if I want to go fast, you can go way fast doing that. But then I found Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, uh, with other people, not so much, like, everyone, but a ton of people, they have a tough time slowing down. Like, it's like as soon as their finger touches the trigger, the gun just goes boom. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm like, there needs to be a little delay there, you know, like a time where you add some pressure and stuff. And so it seems like... And just register a little bit more information. Yeah. It seems like it's tougher for people yeah, to shoot can, a drill longer than 10 seconds than it is under 10 seconds after you've been shooting for a while. For sure. For sure. I mean, like, the way I look at it, like, why not take at least 10 seconds and yep. and, and train yourself to take two seconds worth to look at your surroundings or something like that before you pull that shot off? Because we could easily do it in six to seven seconds. Um, yeah, or or less. But that's not the name of the game. It's it's taking all the the factors in. Yep. And, and applying it. I mean, that's what using your time wisely is what is what makes it to where you can pull off a day like you did, mm-hmm. right? Because that means that you you are aware of everything that's going on around you. You're hyper focused on on not only your shooting 
your process and everything, but also the conditions, like it's, it takes all that and it takes something in practice. So that I like mm-hmm. that. So mainly just one shot drills. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's again, like 95% of what I do. Um, one shot drills is, you know, basically everything of what you need in a PRS like in a positional style match, especially. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of elements of wind reading and, and troop lines and stuff like that, that you can't get from a hundred yards or 300 yards. But, um, if I can, if I can shoot, um, and be at the top positionally out of any match that I go to, I feel like I'll be tough to beat on, on troop lines as well. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. In uh, any sort of prone stages. Well, and if you're really good at positional, generally sometimes you can uh, make up for say somebody comes in and like that's all they do is shoot prone troop lines. Mm-hmm. You, a lot of times, then you can beat them in the positional, and mm-hmm. if you can hang with them or they only beat you by one, it might even itself out. Mm-hmm. But you obviously want to be able to do it all, but sometimes it's not not a, not able to do it but there you go for all you guys listening which i'm sure a ton of people listening don't have access to a long a long mm-hmm. range i mean even me that i well i used to have access to um a range that was closer to me and now i still i still have access to a range but and still then in in both of those scenarios i still find myself doing the bulk of my shooting at like 400 on a four inch plate and you're 300 mm-hmm. on a three inch plate or pasties one inch pasties at a hundred yards, which I mean that right there will, I mean, that gives you a lot of information. Oh yeah. Everything. Cool. For sure. Um, what gear are you using? So anybody listening, they can, they know what, what, what kind of stuff will be able to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so starting just front of the gun, um, shoot APA Gen 3, uh, Fat Bastard Break right now, shooting uh, Bart Line. I shoot a lot of Bart Line and Proof Barrels. Um, okay. I don't really have a preference. They just both shoot really, really good. Uh, I was shooting a Bart Line at the AG Cup in the finale. Okay. Um, shoot Impact Receivers, Trigger Tech Diamond Trigger. Um, shooting MPA BA comp chassis, uh, tangent five to twenty five scope, Hawkins thirty four one piece mounts, and shoot Armageddon gear bags. Uh, shoot AI single stack mag with Freedom Gunworks uh, follower, and I think that's about it. Think anything I'm missing? Um. What about glass for try uh, like like that you you spot with? Um, so a lot of the time, depending on the match, if I'm not flying and I'm I'm driving, I'm shooting or spotting with a Hensel, uh, twelve to forty five, I believe. So 12, it's it's got a H. I think it's a twelve to forty five. Yeah, heck yeah, that's a that's a that's a good spotter. It, it's a really good spotter. Yep. It's got a H32 reticle, so that helps a ton as well. 
Yeah, it's I I always have a have a spotter with a reticle because I find that super important to have something that's mm-hmm. got a reticle in it. And I always I always have a pair of binoculars next to them on one of those. I've been doing that for years, you know, mm-hmm. Bef- long before. I mean, I don't know why, but like it seems like uh, in Utah we've been doing that before. Um, it was like a popular thing for like our, well, last year, like a bunch of companies came out with those double setups or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know why, yeah. but just a bunch of people out here. I think it's just maybe because of the West, you feel like you got to have more glass cause you can't figure out what's going on with the wind or whatever mm-hmm. or terrain. Yeah. And, um, and a spotter is so important to be able to analyze everything because you know not all the time you're shooting first up on a squad and if you're shooting with some guys that you can trust and like really good on the wind if you have that reticle you can measure misses or hits or or whatever and really use that information to your benefit a lot of the time oh yeah yeah it's it's i don't know that's like one of the number one things that i use is my spotter you know, I pack tens with a rangefinder in them, but I mainly just use the rangefinder and spot out of the spotter still. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I feel like the tens aren't quite enough. If if they were twelves or maybe fifteens with the mm-hmm. rangefinder, maybe I would use them more. But I still I can't give up the reticle. I've tried. Yeah, that's another thing that once you once you have, it's hard to go back. Like I I'm the same way. I can't not have a reticle <laughs> i can't not have one no it's, it's just, just nice especially for like measuring movers and clocking and just to make 100 percent sure you're shooting at the right mover speed or yep. whatever it and it just helps me to visualize on what i'm going to hold whenever i'm shooting on the stage so you said you use the ba comp um mm-hmm. any particular reason just because it's familiar or yeah, there's something about the grip that is really, really familiar to me. Um, I tried out a Matrix, and it's a it's a great stock. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually tried one out, and that got me the second win this year. And I shot like ten shots before that, like legit. Yep. Um, like it's a very easy stock to like just pick up and run, and it doesn't really hold you back. But there's something about the the BA comp that's just fast and easy and like i said the grip is really familiar so i've just kind of stuck with it and i don't really feel like i need to to switch right now yeah did you try the ba ba or not the 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 matrix or the matrix pro just curious i have a matrix um i felt a matrix pro with that new evg grip and it it feels really really good too i would at least give one a try but evg grip what's that i'm curious um, it's the, it, like, enhanced vertical grip, so it's trying to match that VA comp grip. Okay. Preston's grip. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's I, It's got that little thumb shelf on there. Which, people who listen to my podcast know that, I, I mean, I love, I love the Matrix. I, I like, mm-hmm. the, and I do, I love the rear end of the, of the new Matrix, mm-hmm. but I, but I'm not a huge fan of wide chassis, so I actually have minor matrix um four ends with the it's basically the esr four end right mm-hmm. with yeah. a matrix pro rear end 
just because it's okay. a little lighter. But man, uh, I, I'm kind of the same way. Like I like that thin fore end. Yeah, I thought I was the only one, but it just sinks into the bag really good. Yeah, I know. And people are like, "But this is better." I'm like, "Man, I have a tough time getting the cant out faster." Exactly. Yeah, it's so easy to get the can out with the thin yep. forehand. And it and it digs right in, so I'm like, man, why do I need it wider? That being said, like a lot of people prefer the wide and I'm sure are good at it and they're just maybe better at settling that bag to get the cant out quick or whatever they do, you know. Like it's a great chassis. It's just, yeah. I and I was the same. I the only re- I I I had a BA comp sitting there and then I got the first matrix and went or my first matrix. I'm like, oh, I probably should try it. So I won the ma- match the weekend before, came home. That was sitting there, and I was like, well, I guess I'll try it. And I didn't have, t- <laughs> I didn't have time to to like go out and practice or do anything. I bolted it in the night before because I kind of wrestled with the idea of using it. And I was like, whatever, I'll just side it in when I get there. And drove to New Mexico, and then ended up winning that match with the new chassis. And was like, well, it's fine. <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah that would be tough <laughs> it'd be tough to do and that's ad- advice that i wouldn't yeah don't do i would that. give a lot of people to not do that but don't, don't do think, that i think you'd be fine i just know i just knew me and i'm like i'm i'm super like yeah if, if it'll work you know like i'm like mm-hmm. yeah it'll work and that being said i do prefer the matrix just because of the i just feel like it's for me it fit it fits me good and i like it but I also mm-hmm. have BA comps. I like them too. I was just curious what your preference, reasoning for your preference was. Mm-hmm. Because what Preston's the same way. I think he's still shooting a, a BA comp as well. Yep. I think he's got the ESR, right? Same thing, just longer for him. Ah, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, another question: What's this Freedom Gunworks follower deal? Uh, that's a, I don't know if they're even still making them now, but that was a, a Bobby Keegan's kit. Uh, they're just ridiculously smooth feeding and it's an extension on the back. So it's, it's, um, it's got the follower or the, the setup so you can run a BR base cartridge. And, um, so I can get 13 rounds in, it's got the spacer kit and it's got this, real super slick Delrin material. Um, okay. And they, is it similar to the new, uh, new masterpiece arms one? Cause I know Bobby and Phil kind of like, I'm sure it is. Forces. I, I haven't seen the new MPA one, but I'm sure it is. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll look them up and yeah, I bet, I'll check. bet I'm just guessing. I'll bet they're real close. I, I would assume not the same. so if, if Bobby's, Working there for on their pistol line. Yeah, cause I, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I'm pretty sure is now mm-hmm. he's doing a lot of the pistol stuff or helping with the pistol stuff. I don't know how it works, but yeah, that's cool. But the the kits are legit. Like feeding is, it's unreal. Like half the time you can't even tell if you picked up a round. Okay, well it sounds a lot like the MPA ones because I got the new MPA ones and I love AW mags because once you get an AW mm-hmm. mag with an HRD kit oh, yeah. tuned right. Um, on those on the dasher, it's just like butter. And then mm-hmm. I have MDT mags too, the twelve rounder, and I like it. It works, but it's a little tight. But then you get that MPA one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little longer because of the extension, but 
it's like butter pulling up 12, mm-hmm. like 12 rounds of just just straight smooth yeah it, exactly and every single round feels exactly the same whether it's the first round or the the very last one yep for sure so. Um, super super happy with those i've ran that one i run like literally one single mag over the last five years i think um that's awesome it's just magic i uh i mark mine i scratch uh roman numerals in the bottom of mine so i know which ones i'm using how many mags you got roman numerals (laughs) yes so i've got well i have three AEW mags set up for okay or no I have four or five actually but I have three of them that I have marked uh, mm-hmm. of the Roman numerals so and then I have like a MDT or an MDT one but then my and then I also have my six five mags right so I've got like mm-hmm. two or three AW mags for that and then I have two ten round MDTs and I got twelve a twelve round MDT. <laughs> so I mean I've got and plus then I have yeah. all then you go to the single stack mags all my AI mags for mm-hmm. like uh with all like the MPA kits and stuff kind of gets a, like a long list. Oh yeah. It's crazy <laughs> how you can collect them. I have I have bins full of like I have a 65 bin for mags just these little bins that I keep trying to trying just attempting to organize something which uh, it's just an attempt. <laughs> well, by you the just way you, stuff. you perform, it seems like you you do pretty well with the organization. I don't think so. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I hide it sometimes, but um, the other the other question. So, because there was something we were, I, that I thought we were leaving on the on your gear, because um, we just all we've talked about so far is your your rifle and you use Armageddon bags. I'm mm-hmm. I'm assuming the medium with Sandfill. Um, no, I'm one of the, like, very few that doesn't, uh, I'm not in love with the Schmedium bag. So you use a sand fill. I, I use a full, full size OG. With sand, sand fill? No, no, just that poly fill. It's impossible. Just yeah. kidding. No, it's awesome. Like I said, like, I'm, I'm one of the few that thinks that that bag is, for me, better than the sand bag. I don't know what it is about it, but. I don't know. Anytime I start using like a medium or something, I'll find myself dropping one or two on a stage and then I'll bust out the OG again and go back to cleaning. Dang. That's, so I, I left, I left the sandbag in the car, um, day three of the AG. Just cause you didn't want to be tempted, huh? I didn't even want to have the option. Yep. You should try a, a full size with sand. I would, I would try one for sure. Um, that thing's got to be like fifteen pounds, but <laughs> at least. But it'd be solid for sure. Definitely solid. I yeah, it's interesting. I I'm now I'm gonna go have to pull out my old medium and or I mean my old OG with just regular <laughs> fill and just 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 for fun, you know. I'm yeah. Why not? It won't hurt. Nothing. Yeah, no, it won't hurt anything. Uh, okay. So what about uh, so we. And then tripod, are you using a really right stuff, uh, mm-hmm. two vets? Or? Yep, really right stuff. Okay, yeah. really right stuff. Which uh, which one? The three-leg section? Um, oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah, it's a three-leg section. I think it's – I don't know the model numbers, um, so I don't want to give anybody bad advice, but 
it's a uh, yeah three leg section and uh i don't even know what kind of uh attachment it has up up front okay like on the very top but then uh what components are you using just real quick so six dasher i'm shooting lapua brass and 105 hybrids with bargain and cci 450s or br4s so pretty standard there yeah yeah it's pretty standard and the last couple of years, I'd say the last two or three years, I've been shooting a little lower charge and somewhere around 31.5 to 31.8 of Varget. And it's going somewhere around 28.70 to 2,900. That's a sweet spot with those bullets. That's mm-hmm. a great spot with those bullets. I love those. Oh, yeah. That's it's, a great bullet. It is. It's really hard to beat. Um, I've shot like 50 of the 109s and... They shoot really, really good too. But I mean, I think I think the hybrid is the king. I don't know. I shot a lot of one on nines, and I love those too. So it it it, it just kind of just depends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I shot a lot of one on fives, and then I switched to the one on nines because I, I and I was late to it because I wasn't a part of <clears throat> I wasn't a part of like I I didn't have I wasn't sponsored by by them at the time or anything so. I was still mm-hmm. buying 105s if I could find them, you know. And uh, I heard a couple people there in the beginning, they were, when they were working the kinks out, had a, had a couple issues with the 109, and then mm-hmm. and then kind of scared some people, and and so then they all s- stuck with the 105s. And by the yeah. time I could get a hold of 109s, they were flawless. And so I okay. I was telling people that, that's kind of what happened to me. Like it just kind of scared me and. I just didn't feel like I needed to switch after having, you know, the tried and true one of five. I just didn't feel like I had had a reason to switch and I still haven't. Yeah. No. And I mean, those bolts are great. I just, I think I was, I was at a perfect time where when I got them, I hadn't even heard about any of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. I, by the time I did hear about it, I'd won like, I'm pretty sure I'd had 300 points that year. I guess this is my first time like going. It was twenty twenty. I I was like I got the bullets and uh all of a sudden I I won the first match of the season, then I won then I went into like second, third, then win another one and then somebody's like, What bullet are you using? And I told them and they're like Really? <laughs> I was like, Yeah, they're great. Yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't know. So anybody listening? Uh, that that now is scared of a 109. There's no reason to be. There was the <laughs> original test lots. I think that went out. There was or the test ones were good, and then there was like one lot after that that a bunch of people got that that were that shot for burger. Uh, I'm pretty sure they shot for burger. I don't know, but they got them, and they weren't as good as their 105s, and so they all got scared of them and just was like, ah, we'll just stick with the 105s. And like I say, this was six months later probably that I'm doing this. So, And I've been shooting them for quite a long time, and they're great. So don't be scared. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, anything else you can think of? Anybody, you, uh, any sponsors or anything like that you need to shout out or anything? No, I don't I don't have any sponsors. And uh, AMU takes real good care of me, so I guess shout out to them, but. Um, yeah, components wise, 
Um, mainly, I mean, everybody's really good as far as like sponsoring matches and stuff, but I run what I run because I think it gives me the best chance at winning. So, um, yeah, thank you to, to all the companies that really support the sport and make good gear. Um, but yeah, well, like I say, congratulations again. That's a huge accomplishment just to win it. And then it just shows how much ice water just flows in your veins to see that the fact that you literally cleaned day three of the AEG cup, that's, it's just awesome. So I'm glad you're willing to come on here and talk a little bit and give us a look into you and that day and pretty much just how you got good, which essentially is, sounds like, uh, most of the people that I, it's a trend when I talk to people that shoot good, like Bushman, you, Tate, like, it's just, well, we don't really know how we got good. We just basically just woke up and started practicing <laughs> and, and decided I really want to win. And that seems to be the common, the common ingredient is a, is a strong desire to win. Mm-hmm. Like a chip on your shoulder, pretty much. For sure. Yeah. Once you, I think, I think it's important to, to get to a point where you feel like you deserve to be, you know, up top whether it's winning or getting top threes or top fives or top tens, um, as long as you deserve in your own mind to be there, I think the chances of you getting there are definitely more common. Yeah. 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 So, so you'd say it's almost like it, this feeling of like deserving to be there. I think so. I think that's a, I think that's good. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. then you expect it. I talked to a guy that he's won a couple matches but uh, is having a tough. He's he's newer shooter and like kind of broke into it really fast. Like started mm-hmm. shooting and a year later he'd won a national match and then won another one yeah. that uh, I don't know like a year later or something like that. But then he's kind of like struggled and and kind of feels like feels like he deserves it, but then doesn't know how to get it. You know, and it's like then it's really frustrating for him. You know, and definitely sets you back. Who's that? <laughs> I don't know if I should, uh, I'll tell you when we get off. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's all good. But, uh, that's, that's a, that's a tough point to be in. And I would say my one piece of advice for that, whoever it is, is just, if you're having trouble, get a new barrel. Okay. Hey, just you know what? I, t- I've, I've told him that same thing a couple of times, actually. But mm-hmm. but then he's also gotten new barrels and then it's like that one and it's similar stuff one. will happen. I know, I know. Find another one. Find it as long as you just find a good barrel that works. Sometimes it takes pulling a brand new one. Use that as your trainer. But I think I think that's the most important thing by far is just having a freakishly good barrel. You know, I had this and don't question. Burn it up in training. Yes. I had this question from uh, Brian Neese yesterday. We were, no, mm-hmm. maybe the day before, but we were we were talking because um, we shoot together. That's that's whose range I go to. He, he has a range at his house, and he lives okay uh, an hour on the dot from me. But that's just that's the place that I have um, access to. He's and, a good dude. Uh, he's a great guy. I like I like mm-hmm. the heck out of Brian. But he goes because we were talking about barrels and stuff, and I shot like a. 
a ten shot group, and my ten shot group was right at uh, right at a half uh, half inch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's good enough. But yeah, and I've shot several um, ten shot groups with that thing that measure right at a half inch. And I'm like, you know, it's just going to be that. That's what this gun's going to do. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not. It's not my favorite. You know, like I'm like, I, I don't feel like it. it it checks the box, like it shoots good enough for me, but it, it, I, I'm not like, man, this is the best shooting gun of my life, you know. So mm-hmm. I, like, I just had the thought that I needed to text Garrett and get another barrel on on the way up here because I just want to see if I can get a better shooting one, I guess. Because I mean, even though it still shoots a half inch ten shot group, that's still pretty good. But uh, he goes, how many oh, points yeah. do you think that's worth? If it's like, if you told me that was your best shooting gun, you know, I'm like. I don't know. I I think I've thought about it so much that I think the difference between a third minute ten shot group and a half minute ten shot group, it might save you one shot over the entire match. Which I mean that could be big too, but I think there's so little advantage having that third minute over a half inch gun. Um that it's almost unnoticeable. Yeah, I don't worry about it. So I don't think about it at the, during, while I'm shooting. I'm pretty good at just, like, blocking out like that and not being like, oh, that gun just doesn't – this one just doesn't shoot as good as I like because it shoots good. I know it shoots good. Like, if it shot mm-hmm. bigger than that, then we'd be having a problem because I, I feel like my mm-hmm. cutoff's like – if it doesn't shoot three 10-shot groups, um, like, I'll, I'll do them, like, within, like – you know, a day, a couple of days or something like that, I'll shoot three 10 shot groups and all three of mm-hmm. them need to be under 0.6 about. Yeah. That's my yeah, so we're, benchmark. We're real similar on our accuracy criteria. Do you, okay. That's a good question. Uh, while we're talking, what do you, what is your, what is your criteria? What do you do to say? It's hey, kind of evolved good. over the last couple of years. I used to be just a psychopath with it where I needed, um, so I used to do a lot of 10 shot and 12 shot groups at 300 because it makes sense for me. We shoot a lot of 12 shot stages. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot 12, 12 shot groups. Um, so I, for the longest time, it was um, an inch and a quarter, 12 shot groups at 300. And that was kind of the times that I shot those groups were in the you know heat of the day, 12 o'clock in Georgia. So nasty mirage and like... Those those were some of my best guns. Since then, I've kind of went back to like 100 yards for 10 shots. And I like to be at least in the .4 minute range, but obviously I want to get them close to that third minute. Yep. But any of the .4 MOA 10-shot groups or 12-shot groups, um, it's, it's good enough to win a match all day, every yep. day. Yep. For sure. I've shot so, some guns that it, shoot. I shot one gun last summer shot that was an inch and it cost me winning the match. And I didn't know going mm-hmm. into it that it was an inch. It just, I kind of thought I'd figured it out or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, well, it was in kind of a time where the one barrel was dying or it was on its way out and that, but it was still freaking good. That's probably the best shooting gun I've had ever. And then yeah. this other one, I was transitioning to it and just took it in practice and broke it in, but thought it'll shoot. And I get to the match, it didn't shoot. Um, mm-hmm. And then I the next weekend, I took the other gun, which at this point had more rounds than 
you have business taken again. Like I counted afterwards, and by the time I was done, I think I had thirty six hundred rounds on it for a six five three. Oh my gosh! But it freaking I still won that match by like eleven points. It was like that <laughs> that gun shot so good. I mean, I'd shoot groups and just like wow, this thing is stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the velocity to drop out the bottom of it, but it didn't. So some barrels just last. Yep. Some do. Um, that kind of brought up a point real quick. Just, I think that I would always recommend to any shooter, no matter what they do with, whether it's win a match or, you know, achieve the goal of getting top 50% of a match or whatever. Um, right after you get done with doing something that you're happy with performance wise, go to the range the very next day without cleaning your gun and shoot a 10 shot group and see what your gun does. Like, they could be shooting three quarter minute, but if you were able to win a match with that gun, and then you go out and shoot that group, then you can really start to realize what it takes to actually achieve whatever you were after. Yep. If that makes sense. It's and it's crazy uh, how you, the gun doesn't have to shoot as good as you would think, but confidence wise, like like if your gun shoots a point four point three shot. 10 shot group because I'm big on shooting something similar like you know ten, like you're saying 12 shots or 10 shots in a two minute or 90 seconds like mm-hmm. doing that and on putting that on paper you know that's going to give you a lot of information of what's going to happen at the match and then like that's For a great sure. idea to just go afterwards and be like man I just want a match with a one inch gun exactly the best case scenario for something like that is it shoots bigger than you expect because then you actually realize, oh, yeah, it was close to one minute and I still won the match, which that's harder to do nowadays. But it's cool to see that maybe you don't need a quarter minute gun. <clears throat> I, I think it's hard to find a quarter minute, like a true quarter minute gun. I don't know. There's not very many. I've never seen there. one yet. Yep. Even the F class guns, like all those guns, like you got to realize like they're they're. Those are cherry picked groups, you know. Mm-hmm. Not not even cherry picked. Yeah. It's just a matter of their 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 battle and statistics. And one day, one guy wins the t- statistics battle. For sure. And just which I'm not I'm not going to take anything away from the way they reload or anything like that. But but like it's really hard to get a gun to shoot quarter inch. Mm-hmm. So. Very 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 hard. Well, right on. Well, appreciate you coming on. It's. It's good to talk to you. Good to catch up, and uh, yeah, for sure, buddy. Hopefully, to you too. people listening, uh, you guys are able to get something out of this. It's a lot of good information that he's got a lot of good uh, good techniques, and obviously, it's very successful. So, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.